Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome. Welcome to our latest episode in the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I'm here with a, a yet another high demand coach, uh, a dear friend, a fellow scale architect, Michael Van. Michael is the president of the Van Group. It's a strategic consulting and transactional advisory firm that works with owners and leadership teams of privately held uh, small, mid-sized businesses. And he's also the co-author of Buying Out the Boss, which has to be one of the best book titles ever. Uh, but Buying Out the Boss, the Successor's Guide to Succession Planning, which has just fascinated uh, me ever since I, I saw that you wrote the book. Uh, and he's, uh, again, like I mentioned, a fellow scale architect from the Northeast. So we've got a northerner here with us today, uh, which will take me a little closer to my roots and uh, we'll have a good time. But Michael, thanks for being on the show. Uh, as we open up, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Uh, you know, What were you doing before consulting, if anything, and, and what got you into it? And what's the why behind that for you? So I have an interest interesting experience as a consultant in that it's what I've done my entire life. My first job out of college was essentially as a consultant for a Fortune 500 company. And, you know, just kind of got thrown into the into the mix, first kind of on the financial side, which I knew nothing about, and then started moving into more like the uh, strategy side of it and fell in love with with that aspects of it. And so I literally have done nothing else as an as an adult other than serve as a as a consultant. So that's it's awesome. uh it's kind of a fascinating thing because usually you know as you know most coaches or consultants start you know somewhere else doing something and then you know transition into it so i've been yeah. fortunate i've done it from day one fascinating and so we got a little taste from your bio but uh tell us a little bit about kind of the what like what is it that you do for your clients where do you find yourself helping them the most it's interesting because our clients kind of come into three buckets so we've got those that are working with on the on the growth side, you know. So that's where we're utilizing predictable success a lot in uh, helping those companies figure out: well, do we want to be in fun or do we want to scale into predictable success? And is usually dealing with those kind of whitewater pains. Yeah. That second bucket, though, is in that succession and transition planning spot, which is where we're working with owners to figure out: well, what am I going to do with this business? You know, is it going to transition internally? Or are we going to look to position itself internally? So. You know, there's some commonalities with what we do in the growth side there. And then that third bucket is, well, those who are saying, just get me out of the business today, you know, and right. so we're handling the transaction. So um, in that standpoint, you know, we're doing all the things that you need to do to get the company to market and sold. Um, so it really kind of is dependent on where in that overall, you know, life cycle of 
you know, business ownership they are and what they're what they're looking for. So we've been really lucky that we can kind of plug into each one of those key phases and although we generally stay away from the startup stuff. Right. So you brought brought up an interesting point. I think that this isn't one that a lot of folks recognize, especially those who have had kind of a cursory introduction to predictable success, which, you know, most of our audience at least is aware of it. But uh, one of the things you brought up is this decision between fun and predictable success, which seems like an obvious one at first, right? If you're there stuck in whitewater, no one wants to be in whitewater. And so we want to get out. And the obvious choice is, well, why wouldn't we get out and go to predictable success, right? That That's, you know, it's the name of the book it's the top of the arc it sounds wonderful uh everything about it is peaches and cream and rainbows and unicorns right uh but you and i know working kind of down at the ground level with folks that there's a very real decision that needs to be made between fun and predictable success so for the sake of the audience why don't you describe a little bit about what that decision looks like and how you walk folks through it to me it's all a question like how much pain do you want to want to go through you know, and where do you want to get your business to? If you're really looking like it, someday we want to build a lot of value here and, and have a great exit, um, then predictable success is the way you go. But if you're thinking, like, I don't want to kill myself over this business. I want to have a nice, a nice business that's going to provide a good income. Maybe there's an exit. Maybe there's not. Then that fun stage is, you know, where you start to transition back to. And so to me, it's really where does that owner want to get to? You know, and as you know, we've got a lot of owners who start that journey to predictable success and then realize, you know, what it's going to take to get there. This next piece isn't it's whether too much risk or too much effort. So they say, well, let's figure out how we work in in the fun stage. Yeah. So I think it depends on where the owner is in the in their mindset as to where you want to get to. Right. Um, and so you you bring an interesting element to this that uh, that m- not many of our scale architects have done, especially not to the extent that you have, but kind of seeing the predictable success world and model through the lens of succession and succession planning. Uh, and so there's there's an interesting kind of addition to the whole you know, idea of what stage do you want to be in, which is kind of what stage do you want to exit from. Right. Uh, and so I'd love to, so early struggle, we can't, you know, exiting from early struggle means it didn't work. Right. So <laughs> yeah, <not> <laughs> we, that happens a lot. And yeah. again, we're, we're making a little light of it, but it's a painful process. And, and I feel for anyone who, who experiences that. Um, but it's a relatively simple one to understand. Right. Uh, yeah. now uh, from there, I, I almost feel like it gets exponentially more complicated once you've got some modicum of success. Uh, and so you move into fun. Tell us a little bit, uh, I would say, first and foremost, what does an, a successful exit in fun look like? I mean, a successful exit in, in fun is kind of no different than the one in predictable success. It's really what changes is the multiples. Okay. You know, by and, I think by and large, um, because those ones who are in predictable success are inherently going to have just a larger, I think, a larger scope to them than the, the fun company. So a lot of times the fun company, someone coming in to buy it is really looking at replacing the owner in that seat, you know, rather than as more of an investment side of it that a strategic or a financial buyer might be be looking at, unless it happens to be one. And I won't get into the nuances of platforms and, you know, add-on acquisitions, but, you know, there are those where it does get acquired by a financial, even though it's smaller because it just plugs in. So I think for most people, an exit out of fun means you might be selling to an internal employee, you know, or a group of employees. You might be selling to, you know, someone 
local and the who wants to own another business and kind of step into your shoes. Whereas whereas so, in predictable success yeah, exit, it's you know, it's just a much larger and more complex right uh, exit. Got it. So someone's there in fun. Uh, they've, they've made peace with that. They're loving it. They're having fun, right? And they know, hey, this is where the sun's going to set on this business. Like someday I'm going to exit from fun. What are some things that they should be doing now in advance uh, to make that process as successful as possible? I mean, to a certain degree, it's no different than what you do in predictable success is can you get to the point where the business runs without you? Mm. You know, where it's less reliant on what you need to do. Um, and I think there's some limitations into fun as to, you know, how, how far you can get into that perspective versus predictable success. Um, but ultimately if as a buyer, I don't have to worry about this business is going to fall apart because, you know, Joe, the owner and founder has, has left, you know, to me, that's the key. So do you have, you know, typically a really good solid tier two, you know, management team in place, you know, so mm -hmm. we're handling the day to day for you. They're probably, you know, into some tier three as well. I know we're getting into some of the, the the terms here, but like, you know, they're doing more so than like thinking strategically about the business. And to me, that's right. one of the, the big differences. Hi there, this is Scott Retirement. For over a decade as an entrepreneur, I thought coaching didn't work. I'd had some bad experiences with the wrong coaches and all that left me feeling like I had to figure it all out on my own. And while I wouldn't have admitted it back then, that was scary. It felt isolating and it left me constantly wondering what was around the next corner or when the shoe was going to drop. Then I found two great coaches and with their help and support, I discovered and implemented the predictable success model and my company tripled its profitability in a single year adding over a million dollars to our bottom line and now my team of scale architects and i get to enjoy the privilege of helping leaders like you achieve even greater results through our individual coaching and team acceleration programs if you'd like to scale your business or nonprofit, boost your profits build a strong leadership team or even simply become a better leader with less stress schedule your free 15-minute call with me at www.scalearchitects.com slash 15. That's scalearchitects.com slash one five. Now back to the show. And so just to uh, interpret for a second, uh, what you're talking about is the idea that we call Tori, right? There are concentric exactly. rings, if you will, kind of like a target logo. Uh, and then the very middle would be like a senior leadership team. Right. Or an executive team, you know, the C-suite of an organization. And they're primarily responsible for mission, vision, value, strategy, kind of long term thinking. Right. Yeah. And what you're saying in fun, you have that or not have that. What's really important is that you have an effective T2, what we would call kind of a senior management group, exactly. uh, you know, a group of folks who are tying that strategic to the tactical. Yeah. And, and getting that team set up. Now, I think that's actually a really, really big point because, you know, folks see big successful organizations and they think we need, you know, a bunch of executives, right? That, that's how you lead an organization. But what I hear you saying, particularly from a, a, a transition lens, it's not so much about having this, this kind of very strategic executive team. It's about having a solid T2. Is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah, particularly in fun. You know, when you're in predictable success and looking at those types of exits, 
I think the stronger your your T1 team is, the better opportunities you have to to exit. You know, yeah. as you know, some of the challenges when your T1 is really playing tier two and T3 roles all at the same time, you know, someone's coming in and looking at that. So like a lot of times a private equity will come in and buy one of our our companies and they're looking at those leadership and management teams. And if they're looking at, oh, am I still there? Yes. Okay. Sorry. The, uh, I just got this Zoom pop-up that says I was logged out. Um, you know, so like a private equity buyers, are they're looking at, they're like, well, what do we have to bring in for teams? And like, suddenly they're bringing in, well, we need to bring in a senior business development manager, a senior operations manager, a senior CFO, because that company didn't have it. Um, you know, so I think that impacts impacts value because someone's looking at they're they're impacting your EBITDA basically because they're going mm-hmm. great. We got to add a two hundred thousand dollar year CFO here because you don't have that currently. Right. You know. The other thing that you mentioned, uh, and this is, this is a little circular here. Sorry for everybody, but one of the things that I wanted to make sure that everyone was familiar with because this this stunned me. Like I get it; it makes total sense once you hear it. Uh, but until I saw it, I, I like it, I never would have thought it. But uh, so in fun, you know, there's tend to be smaller organizations with smaller revenues, sometimes really great profit margins, sometimes not. Right. It just kind of depends. Uh, but with w- a big factor that you brought up in between a fund versus a predictable success sales, this idea of a multiple. Right. Which is a, typically going to be a multiple on earnings of some sort. Uh, so you've got a $3 million business, uh, 33% margins, you're making a million dollars a year in profit, just be a great performing little organization. Uh, from there, you start looking at how much is this organization worth? You're looking at how many times that million dollars it's worth. Is that right? Exactly. And so somewhere in the fun stage, what would that multiple range be? I know it's going to be you know industry and all kinds of factors, yeah, but a ballpark. There's a lot that goes into that, but you might see in a three and a half to four and a half multiple range on a million dollar EBITDA company, depending on the uh, on the industry and how that you know the revenue comes right. and all that stuff. But that's typical. Um, when you so, start yeah, to increase big, those simple, numbers, yeah, go ahead. You know, yeah, the, so there's a big. The, <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> go. When they exponentially get, you know, the the multiples get get larger, you know? So if you're at a three or $4 million EBITDA, and now you're talking a five or a six multiple, you know, the just the the scale of the transaction, even that one turn is huge. You know, the difference between a four and a five on 5 million bucks is right. 5 million bucks. It's yeah. And it's just, good. just to play that out. Right. So our, our million dollars of, of, you know, profit becomes a three and a half to four and a half million dollar acquisition yeah. or transaction in, fun. Yeah. Now you fast forward, you do the heavy lifting and it's not easy, but you do the heavy lifting and getting through whitewater, getting deep into predictable success. Organization's growing because it's scaling. So now, you know, you're, you've got a $3 million profit at the end of the year. So it's like, okay, great. That's what 12 and a half, you know, 13, 14 million dollar transaction. That sounds great. But now what you're talking about is that's not, that's not all of it, right? Not only are we going from more profit, which means a higher transaction, but we're also looking at a higher multiple on that profit. And so it's a significant dynamic gain in predictable success. Yeah. The multiplier just changes drastically because that EBITDA is going higher. So that every turn on that EBITDA or on that multiple, it just increases it substantially. 
Yeah. So let's move to uh, Whitewater because it's kind of where we're going to be making the decision one way or another. What do you see uh, folks doing around this Whitewater stage in terms of uh, selling or not selling? Or, you know, is, is this where you would say some of your, you know, get me out of here now folks are coming in? Absolutely. Because they're looking at it going like, we can't take this any further. And a lot of times we can't go backwards. You know, because the business has hit so, such a critical mass, the overhead, you know, whatever it may be is now like we can't go backwards and we're not prepared to go forward. So let's get out. Yeah. You know, so it's it's pretty common to to see that. I've had owners say, I've taken as far as I can go. You know, it's now up to somebody else to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's where a lot of our sellers who are not at a retirement age come into play. Got it. Because Whitewater is just miserable, right? Anyone who's there now, they know this. Anyone who's been there knows it. Anyone who's not been there doesn't think that the thing exists, right? Which is part of what makes it so miserable. So you've got this owner. They've just been rocking it out in fun, you know, at least for years now. It's up and to the right. Things are going great. And then they wake up one day. They hate the company they work for, right? <laughs> like exactly. they would have quit a long time ago if it was that simple. Uh, they're tired of, you know, fussing with people fighting they're tired of firefighting they're just tired right and then on top of that they've got what you brought up is this idea of it feels existential right i can't take this any further right i've reached my max um, as far as i can go and now they're kind of back into a corner right and so i would imagine you know from a succession planning standpoint whitewater isn't exactly where you want to be making a, a transition is that right in an ideal situation, no, because that's where there's, you know, that's where a lot of the, the warts get found in the due diligence process. And like, we've got one right now that's going on. And, you know, the company has realistically doubled in size in the past couple of years. And the, the structure of the organization hasn't kept up with it. So some of the basic, you know, things that you could do when you're a two, three million, four million dollar company, you can't do as a $12 million company. Um, you know, so... Those things are all catching up. And of course, someone coming in who's doing due diligence and you're looking at a $12, $15 million company and a purchase price along those lines is going, well, you don't have this, you don't have that, you didn't do this right. And you're just like, how do you get beat to death in, in due diligence? And it's yeah. frustrating and painful. Yeah. And uh, again, I want to kind of fast forward because we've been we've talked about predictable success a little bit, but I want to fast forward because there's a lot of similarities uh, I've seen, at least from a distance, between selling out of Whitewater and selling out of Treadmill in a sense that that clock becomes much more to do with like the internal clock of the person trying to sell than it does what's the opportune time for a market or right. for our life cycle stage. So if we were to fast forward to, to treadmill, right? We see lots of founder exits in particular around the treadmill stage. Yeah. Uh, why is that and is that beneficial? Is it beneficial? I mean, it is because the organization is consistent at that point. You know, and good, better, and different. You know, so it means that the EBIT is probably pretty stable. Sales is pretty stable. We've got our, you know, we've got our teams in place. So from a buyer's perspective, going great. There's not a lot of um, surprises that are waiting for me. And now I'm looking at it as like, okay, what can I do with this organization to get it to that that next level back, basically back into a predictable success where it's growing again and has a lot of opportunity. You know, yeah. so that's that's one of the advantages of selling in, in treadmill. 
it's very consistent. You know, you don't have to worry about a lot of the due diligence things that pop up. Yeah, you just may not have the hockey stick of growth and EBITDA growth that might you know acquire a, a higher multiple. But mm. depending on the size and where it's at, it could very well because it's stable. Right. And so uh, if we were to kind of boil this down, what I hear from you is best time to sell is going to be predictable success, both in terms of, you know, just transaction value because of multiple earnings, all of that. Uh, Maybe second best time is going to be somewhere around treadmill, just because you've you've kind of fought the fight. You've got a, a large organization. If you're willing to make that sacrifice to get through whitewater and get into predictable success and really drive it exactly and if you're not then settle into fun build a strong management team have fun enjoy it uh and then when the time comes you're ready to go exactly got it it. excellent well that's that is sound advice it it sounds simple and it sounds almost a little trite in a, a you know a podcast from a thousand miles away but the reality of it is you know, as business owners, what, one of the things that I've seen is that our vision rarely exceeds our time with the organization. And it's when you start talking about succession that you come face to face with that. And so I think a discussion like this is, is just massively helpful. There's steps that anyone can take now. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But before we get there, especially in the context of all that we've talked about, uh, one of the things I've been dying to hear, and I, I know our folks have as well, is uh, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, and you've been doing it at this in this succession space where the rubber really does meet the road. And so I'd love to hear from you. What's the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret, right? What's the one thing that you'd want to share with everyone listening today? It's kind of, you know, um, if we're Patriot fans up here. and uh, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's a lot of drama right now over who's actually the offensive coordinator. And they played the other night and Belichick kept saying, well, you know, we've got a process that we're going through. We've got a process we're going through. And I says, to me, the the key advice is trust the process. Mm. You know, when, whether we're starting with predictable success and the growth or we're dealing with succession planning or merger and acquisition, you know, there is a process that you follow and the process works. So trust it. You know, it's if you can do that and buy into it, well, then you're going to see the results. Our clients who fail are the ones who don't trust the process. Mm. You know, time and time again, they just... They get weary about it. They fall off. They just don't do the, you know, they don't have the disciplines to to do it. And that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating because when you look at who your clients are, you know, many of them, these very entrepreneurial, you know, kind of founder type, visionary type, uh, they thrive on just destroying processes left and right. Absolutely. But, but when it comes time, and, and I, this is, again, such a, a powerful point that you're making, uh, there is a place for process. And it may not have been in what brought you success leading up to this point, but when it comes to either getting out of whitewater or it comes to working through a detailed transaction, right? There is process that comes into play. And when you bring someone along like the Van Group, someone who's like, "This is what we do all, all you know, all day, every day." Uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. What's funny is just how viscerally difficult that is. For you know those visionary types, but if you can do it, it's it's a, a temporary woe for a, a much longer uh, satisfaction, if you will. <laughs> no doubt. Well, I think some of the challenges because it's such a big change, as you know, when you start to go through through these processes from the way they've they've operated, um, and now it's like, all right, well, you're gonna you're gonna delegate more. You're gonna allow your team to make mistakes. You're gonna 
you know, like we was talking to one client the other day. They're like, they were involved in the discussion as to where the snack machine was going in the company, you know, in the in, when it was getting moved. Like, what are you doing? It's just not, it's not at your level of the organization, but, yeah. you know, they've grown up that way with the business and being involved in all those decisions. So yeah. for us, when that, when that CEO and owner can make those decisions, like, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to be cognizant of those things is when, when the magic and excitement happens. Yeah. That transformation. That's, that's excellent. <laughs> which no visionary would ever say, right? Like the magic and excitement happens as the result of a process. You know, again, it just like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a complete world breaker, you know, but, it, but it's so true. Again, especially in this context and recognizing that when, and like, you know, there's a, there's a time for kind of breaking things, but there's also a time for aligning with things. And I, I think you're very right too. I, to, I think one of the fascinating past parts about too, is like that when you have that visionary CEO and you're talking to, about these things it's like you're going to be successful by being less involved you know less engaged in a lot of these things and they're you know they kind of get the cocked head and the turn scratch you're like no 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 because it's run so counter to what they what they do and what they think they built this yeah, yeah. and now i'm telling them no no step back matter of fact i don't want you in all these meetings i don't want you i'll bring you in occasionally so it's it's so true. There's so much wisdom in that. Uh, we don't have time for it, but it's it's fantastic. Uh, so I've worked with enough coaches to know that uh, we have a knack for spending all of our time, best time, energy, and resource on our clients and helping them and, and helping achieve their goals that we can lose sight of our own. So I'd love for you to take your, your kind of consultant advisor hat off for a moment, put your president of Van Group hat on and talk to us a little bit about what, what growth looks like for you and your, your business. So we've made the fundamental decision to be in the fun stage. Like, you know, I, I did what I think a lot of CEOs and owners do is like, all right, I'm going to build this big consulting group and we're going to start to add and move services and things like that. And I made the decision after struggling with it in my own, you know, own kind of stages with it and said, forget it. We're going to, we're going to scale down. It's going to be me. It's going to be outsourced resources. Um, and just focus on working with the companies that we like to work with. Mm. And so that's been really the kind of the growth strategy has been to take on the stuff that we like, you know, because it generates, you know, it generates great income when you, when you do that, um, you know, when you're in demand for that stuff, rather than trying to sell more people, yeah. you know. And that's a hard decision to make, right? So being on this side of it, what what would you say to someone who's sitting there trying to make that decision today as to whether to grow or or not yeah is it, it like yeah. is it okay to go it feels like it's going backwards yeah. right so is it okay to go backwards for your business it is because if it's what you want and it's going to make you happy you know i had a great client who illustrated it for me a few years ago and she she had a and still does a really successful recruiting firm and she realized after, right before the pandemic, actually, she said, I'm just chasing growth because that's what everybody says I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to build this with big organization. You know, she was part of EO and these types of things. And it was like, well, that's just stupid. You know, it's just, it's about collecting things rather than what I really, really want. So, you know, she's been really intentional with the business today as to how she's running it, the size it is. You know, she was able to go back into fun while we were coming out of whitewater and just really nailed the business to what she wants. 
Mm. And I think she's really happy with the decision because from a lifestyle standpoint and from an income standpoint, it works. Yeah. You know, she's not spending a lot of money on, on managers and, you know, throwing everything back into the company. So she gets to harvest it and, you know, have her time to do what she wants to do. So it was, it was like one of those eye-opening moments, you know, and, oh, yeah, it is okay to do it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bigger just to be bigger. Mm. Some very, very good advice. Uh, not what everyone is expecting to hear uh, coming into this, but but uh, immensely sound advice. Uh, all right, last question for you here. I know some of our listeners would love help. They're, 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 you know, either have been thinking about succession or they realized they haven't been thinking about succession or, you know, like me, they read the, they heard the title of the book, How to Buy Out Your Boss and be like, okay, God, I've got to know more about that. Uh, how can folks connect with you? Well, you can find us on our webpage, you know, certainly www.van-group.com. And up there, we've got, you know, some great videos as to talking about our process and, and how we work, which I think is, you know, really critical to understand because we're not, you know, we're not selling something per se. We're, you know, talking about our, our philosophy. Um, and then you can also catch me, you know, on email. I, the easiest one is just let's go at van-group.com. Got you know, it. I don't have much of a social media presence. So <laughs> awesome. Sure. Uh, so again, that's www.vanvann-group.com. So two ends in that van-group.com uh, or let's go at van-group.com. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Been a pleasure, Scott. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And for everybody else listening, uh, we say it all the time, but we mean it every time. Your time and attention are the biggest honor that we could uh, receive. And so we thank you for spending time with us today and look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor, who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.